Hello, everyone, and welcome to Writer's Block Podcast, the podcast for people interested in the how, what, where, when, why, and who of professional comedy writing, but mainly the how and the who. Those are the really big draws. Tonight's episode brought to you by eucalyptol, the number one active ingredient in my mouthwash. Not sure what it does. In this episode, Writer's Block continues its proud tradition of respect for those who came before us, the comedy writers who got it all started, the pioneers of the televised situation comedy. My guest is the great Bill Persky, Writer for the Dick Van Dyke Show, McHale's Navy. He worked with Sid Caesar, Carl Reiner, and Bill Cosby. He created the TV series That Girl, starring Marlo Thomas, which paved the way for the Mary Tyler Moore Show, which paved the way for just about every other female-driven show. He also wrote and produced for Kate and Alley. He's been around the block, is what I'm saying, which is not to say that he's not still keeping a close eye on the current state of sitcomatry. Back before... Language was able to be whatever you wanted to say, like it is now. I mean, you take shows like Two Broke Girls, and if you couldn't use the word vagina, you'd have no script. I mean, every other word, somebody's saying vagina, you know. Well, in, on those days, no one had I mean, a I'm vagina. I'm not even sure they limited to vagina. But Nobody yeah. had a vagina, you know. Uh, as you might imagine, there were a few differences in the process back when Bill and his pals were doing their thing, not the least of which, of course, was no computers, which, according to Bill, actually helped make the writing better. What? More on that right out of the gate, plus some riveting and hilarious memories from a man who has had plenty of both. This is episode 32. My guest is Bill Persky. I'm J.R. Havlin. You're part of the writer's block now. Good choice. I am here. Welcome to Writer's Block. This is Writer's Block. I'm very here. Writer's yeah. Block. 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 Oh, yeah. I've had those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, we can talk about that. Oh, God. Yeah. I, somebody said there is no such thing as a Writer's Block. Well, I've had, I've asked a couple of guests and gotten a couple of different answers. And uh, um, and so what is what is your definition if there is one? I, I'm going, I've been going through, oh, Excuse oh, you me. You know yeah, some. This is the this rarest is... thing in the world. They, that my my you're phone. A call. I've never. Hello. <laughs> it's hysterical. I I I've Don't had this it. phone for years, and I'm just not into that much technology. Yeah, no, you know, to me, the computer is a typewriter that spells better than I do. Spells by itself. Yeah. Well, you know, another thing, I'm going to jump around. Is that all right? I, that's why I edit. Okay. <laughs> uh, the computer, which wasn't available when we when we were doing the Van Dyke show. Of course not. was all typewriters. And what happened... Even Maybe not even electric typewriters. No, not even electric. Wow. And, well, they were, but everybody still liked the Royal, you know, with the banging. I have, you I could, have a you Royal. You could beat the hell out of it. You I know, have a Royal in my office at home. Smack it across the, yeah. the thing. Did you see that thing on uh, of the woman who was typing on the computer at a mile a minute, and then when she, suddenly she just went and hit the computer like a carriage and threw <laughs> But one it's of the things gag. that was, was interesting was when we used to rewrite, we would 
sharpen our pencil for three or four letters at a time, just so you didn't have to retype a page. So you would write the rewrite that you wanted to do, and then you'd put an arrow going to the next thing you were going to say and say one, two. I mean, it was like the page was like something you mean out after of you've science. Typed it out. If, when you were rewriting a script and they said fix this or do that, and anything to not have to type the page over again because those were your only options with typewritten. Right. Know? So oh, so the uh, the the idea was that you weren't going to retype it. You weren't going to retype it. You you, you would do anything within, yeah. to do it by hand, right? And you'd say one is over here at the end of this line, and then two is down here because I'm moving that up here. So and the, the actor thing, and the director had to deal with it, that. Well, no, then you'd send it to Mimeo. Oh, and they would mimeograph. That was the biggest <laughs> thing in your life. We're going to Mimeo. My daughter once said to me when she was little, she said, "Where's Mimeo, Dad?" I said, well, I don't know. It's not a place. She said, well, everybody goes there. Oh, she thought it was yeah. some magic yes. like Disney World. Now, what happened in the process of that, you spent more time blending things together. And when the computer started to get used, when you got a script in, if in the early days of computers, you would be reading the script, and all of a sudden there'd be like a jump. Because... Block and base and cut became so much fun that people would just paste something without really blending it into what went before. Whereas in, 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 in the handwritten thing, you spent more time in the rewrite on, on what you were going to say. And when the computer came in, it was what you could do. Yeah. So you would block and, you know, copy and paste. So there was more thought to how those yeah, pieces and you could place. feel you could feel the bump in the script because right. it didn't flow the way it would if you just if you weren't caught up in the technology sure. that allowed you to do. Well, that. I love it. We're coming right out of the gate with a in my day story well, from Bill Persky. Let me introduce you. Okay, Bill. Uh, my guest uh, Bill Persky. An honor to sit here and talk to you. I'm so glad that uh, we met. An honor to be alive for you to yeah. talk to. Fantastic. I believe that. Bill is, uh, um, let's go over a, a, just a quick thing okay, of, uh, sure. I'll, I'll, they, they, you want me to do the, it or are you going to do yeah, it? Yeah, no, go ahead. Tell me, right. tell me uh, where, tell me what was, your, what was your first job first, being paid as a comedy writer? First job being paid as a comedy writer was doing special material for stand up comedians. Sure. That, and that, that was a very Back common way for you, you guys to start. That, that was, was it. it. I mean, television, when I started I talked to Gene writing, Parrott, I told you, and yeah. he said this, he's the same thing. Well, when I was getting started in 1955, 54, after I got out of college, uh, I started at a radio station. Uh -huh. And the, I used to write little jokes. Because what you did in radio stations then, you had a book called the Continuity Book, and the disc jockey would just turn the page to know the next thing would introduce the weather... Here's a commercial. So I started writing little jokes in, in for them. For the disc jam. Yeah, just for them. Were you hired and to do that? Or no, was that just something no. you took upon yourself? No, I just did it because the job was so boring. But at any rate, I was hired to be in the continuity department from an ad in the New York Times. And I had no idea what the continuity department was. But what it was is you just put the book together for the disc jockey uh -huh. so that they knew what was coming next. And at the end of the week... The guy who hired me left 
to get a job in an advertising agency, and I was now the head of the continuity department. <laughs> a week later. A week later. Still at $30 a week. And I still had no idea, really, what the hell it was. They just said, put this in, put that in. So I had to hire somebody to be my assistant. Talk about a meteoric rise. And I hired Sam Denoff. Okay, who was who your became writing my partner for Did you know twenty him years? Then? No, he that came was in. Meeting him, huh? Sam wow. had been the bargain broadcaster at Klein's Department Store, which meant that <laughs> he was on a PA system, and he said, "Attention shoppers!" All right? Did he have a voice for that? Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Attention shoppers, and he would point out on the seventh floor a truckload of this has come in, and he got fired for saying. Attention shoppers in the lingerie department, a truckload of maiden form brassiers reduced. This is a bust out sale. That's it. Got it. He was gone. <laughs> so, That's so, it's such, uh, well, it's a different time. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So. It's a good gag. He's yeah, just telling the yeah, joke. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I hired him based on that joke. And. <laughs> And <laughs> that's the one that got his foot we, in the door. Then we started together writing these things. Then the guy started to read them. And then the station manager said, that's good. Keep doing that. There was no extra money involved, but we started doing it. And then we had a Christmas show for the Christmas party. And he and I wrote a wonderful musical comedy thing about the whole show. Just for the, the, the station, Just for the, for the station, people right. who, right. you know, for the Christmas In-house party. Thing. Yeah. And it turns out there's this young guy there and he came up afterwards and he said uh that was really good uh i'd like to be your agent well that's crazy nobody in the world like agent ever, like writing agent re- you, this yeah, was not in your i'd like to represent you you know he said i'm with the william morris office and he said holy <laughs> god did he you know william that, morris at the oh time? god yeah right. i mean of course but to have somebody wanted to represent us we right. didn't even know we were in that business yet you know we right. were just jerking around right so we said, well, great. Do you have a card? He said, no, not yet, because till yesterday I was in the mailroom. Perfect. <laughs> it was George Shapiro, oh, who God, is wow. was discovered Andy Kaufman, yeah, Jerry Seinfeld's manager for all these years. He was our first agent. Wow. And he was a killer then. And we started, all you could do back then was break in by writing stand-up for, for comics, okay. nightclub comics. But there was television on. There was some on, but it was not really, it was not, you couldn't just go into it. You okay. had to earn your way into it. Old radio writers were doing television, okay. not new people. I mean, I swear, when I got out of college, I used to watch television in the window of an appliance store. Mm-hmm. That's what you did. There was a loudspeaker, and there'd be a show on, and you'd stand there, and a bunch of people, yeah. on, and there would be 30 sets, all the different sets, you know? And if you didn't like the show, you couldn't change the channel. You had to change the store that was running, <laughs> running something else. That's how you change a channel That's you how walk you, down the yeah, block. Yeah, there's another store around the corner. <laughs> I'm going there. So anyway, he, we started writing stand-up. And uh, George was so aggressive. We used to do stuff, and he'd say, the boys get $100 a minute, $25 up front, and not a word gets on paper. $100 a minute oh, for a minute of A minute of comedy. Right. So they, people would say, well, 
we don't know. We, are they any good? He who said, they? they're pros or I wouldn't be representing him. Nobody knew who he was. Nobody knew who we were. Right. And the first job we got was for a comic by the name of Jimmy Casanova. <laughs> I just, swear to it's God. It's almost like you're making I this up. I swear to God. And <laughs> Jimmy so Casanova. We, we had a meeting with him. I mean, you're not going to believe this, but it's absolutely true. We said, we got a great bit about your name. And he said, what's funny about Jimmy? Oh, God. Now, you, this is you like know he was this, going. You know this, why you haven't heard of him by This now. is like uh, um, in, uh, what is it, Broadway Danny Rose? This is like a Broadway Danny Rose story. You well, know what he's, he's, Yeah. This is fantastic. Go and ahead. So we wrote him. He really said that straight face. Absolutely. Okay. What's Had you heard of this guy? Did you know Jimmy Kessler? No, he was okay. just a guy who was doing, I mean, the, the, the play we wrote him, we wrote him. $500 worth of stuff, wow. five minutes, really good stuff. And he did it. We only saw him do it once at a uh, one of those wedding, you know, Lawrence of of Long Island or something where they'd have weddings and bar mitzvahs and mm -hmm. they'd have, you'd buy a package with entertainment and everything else. Wow. And he was, he was awful. Okay. But the best. The material was good. The, he was, he was up. The best part was. That he paid us with a check for six hundred and fifty dollars by endorsing an insurance payment he had got gotten from insurance company for an injury he got in the revolving door at Bloomingdale's. <laughs> but we had to give him one hundred and fifty dollars in cash because he wouldn't take a check. Oh wow! No, I mean it was a crazy, crazy. But it was a wonderful time, and you really learned what you were doing. I mean, when you went, it's a pretty good payout to get. No, we back got then. Yeah, no, no. I mean, for him, whatever. Yeah. He, whatever well, I think happened. he lost a leg or something. Oh, for God's sake! <laughs> but it was. There's no substitute for the kind of training that that you got back then. Watching your stuff die in front of audiences. And well, unless you're doing it yourself yeah, and watching it yeah, die in oh, front of, of course, audiences. Yes. Did you ever do stand up yourself? Yeah, you did. Yeah, okay. yeah. and uh, afterwards I do, and I, I still do. Now I do speaking engagements, uh -huh. and you know, for various groups and stuff in colleges. Well, let's. And all um, that. that's, so so a totally common way back in the you know the you know the, the early fifties and before that. Writing jokes for for comedians. Were there any more famous comedians that you wrote jokes for at the beginning? Uh, well, the biggest one we wrote for was Dick Sean. I don't yeah, know, sure. and that was the big breakthrough for us okay. to get to write for Dick Sean. Now, is Dick Sean? Am I thinking wrong here? Is that from, uh, is, is that the producers? Dick no, Sean? no, no. Yes, what? Dick Sean was Dick, in the producer. Yeah, yeah, he was in. Uh, he was what in. A great. Uh, well, he wasn't almost going to get that job. I thought. I yeah. thought he was not the guy. You know, it's one of those classic right, things. Somebody right. else was supposed to play yeah. that role, but then he came in, and boy, was he. But good. He, he was. He, what was the name? I, you know, I mean, he's the one that played the lead in the crappy right. play in Springtime for Hitler. He. What a funny guy. He was. He was. He died. He's a funny guy. He, oh God. Yes. Okay. He died on stage, literally. Oh, wow. He was doing a one-man show in L.A., and he died in the middle of the show. Good Lord. I feel like maybe I've heard that oh, story. Oh, Dick Sean. Dick Sean was brilliant. He sang. He danced. He did everything. But he, was, he always destroyed his opportunities for some reason. And uh, so we wrote a piece. Uh, uh, what was it? The Novikov thing. Lolita had just uh -huh. come out. So we wrote a musical comedy version of Lolita. Sure, him, one, a, yeah, a 20, it's a no-brainer. 20-minute piece. <laughs> and uh, 
his manager at the time was Pierre Cosette, who went on to become a very important guy in L.A. So everybody knew that we were doing this and that they liked us and so forth. So that became an opportunity to move up in the world. Well, yeah, that was you're after, working with new people, you're meeting new that people. That was after four this? years of working at the radio station, right? going out to dinner at Horn and Hard Arts, and then writing till 11 o'clock at night. We also wrote for Ron Carey. Oh, yeah? How great. Who was in yeah. high school. Well, I, you know, I've heard stories about Ron Carey. I can't remember where I heard this. I think it was an interview with Carl Reiner in which he was talking about Ron Carey as being the funniest guy he ever knew. He was, he was, he was brilliant. But yeah. the funniest guy, hands down, Go is on. Tim Conway. Tim Conway is so funny. Unbelievable. Eh? Unbelievable. I've known Tim Conway for 50 years, and I don't know Tim Conway. I've never talked to him. Right. It's always something else going so on. So he's the funniest him. guy the to you The funniest So you worked with Sid person. Caesar, like Ron Tim Carey. Tim is the funniest person uh, How about ever. that? Well, you Just don't know me ever. that well yet, though. So no, that's know. true. Yeah, that, that's that, true. We haven't even danced yeah, yet. Yeah, that's <laughs> Leave the slot open is all I'm saying. I did a movie that I wrote and directed a movie of the week for Tim Conway. And he was a jockey when he was a kid. And, you know, so he's really very physical. Right. And I did a movie for him about a guy, long story short, he, he ends up going for the Guinness Book of Records for living on roller skates. And so he spent a week <laughs> of his life on roller skates and went on with his normal life. And he did physical stuff in that, that nobody... We did a thing that the, that the stuntman wouldn't do because he was afraid i wrote oh, a thing okay. where tim at the end got out of control on the roller on, skates on the roller skates and he rolled down a hill onto the back of a moving motorcycle and suddenly <laughs> grabbed the guy around and the, the stuntman said well i'm, I'm not going to do that now when you write something like that back then before you can really like you know was was that a realistic thing did like were you thinking like gee you know i'm really not sure how i'm going to produce this because i mean you know, I, I'm not saying that there were that the you know that uh, at a certain time they were incapable of these things, but now with special effects, no, you can this, kind of do no, anything. No. You're a little more limited. Well, obviously. what you would do that seems had, like something that is hard to set up. As well, a stunt. if you had a thing like that, you could do like four or five shots. You would do so that it wasn't one continuous yeah, right, thing. Right, you'd right. do the wheels turning. You'd do the guy's face. You'd do a close-up of Tim coming on. Yeah, right. You'd see him from the front, and it would take forever. But Tim just went and did it. And and another thing, he got out of control. He was going down a hill, and he was out of control, and there was a guy sweeping with a push broom, mm -hmm. and he grabbed the push broom, and he hooked it around a light pole and went flying across Grand Avenue in L.A. and jumped up. I mean, it was unbelievable what uh -huh. he did. And on the, on the way on the way home in the car, I said, Timmy, I got to admit something to you. Until today, I didn't know if I could shoot a stunt sequence. He said, that's nothing. I didn't know if I could roller skate. <laughs> <laughs> but all those stunts then, you could... Break them up in yeah. people. Oh I'm my sure God. that's, you know, they, they're they're still, that's still, still one yeah, of the that's how you do it. It's very true. seldom that you do one moving shot of a guy doing something right. like that. You know. Okay, let's. Um, just so you know, everybody, we're in uh, um, in a townhouse in Midtown uh, Manhattan, essentially, uh, um, somewhat Upper East Side, and and uh, there is some traffic out front, and we're hearing some. 
horns and some. Uh, I think there's a cement truck out there. there hopefully they'll like get a fire. A jackhammer pretty soon coming hopefully up. Hopefully they'll but get a fire. That's hopefully good. it's not so bad. It's just some background music and uh, um, doesn't get in the way of my uh, conversation here with Bill Persky, decades long comedy writer. I'm J.R. Havlin, host of the Writer's Block. We'll be right back just after these words. Hey, Blockheads, I just wanted to throw in a quick thank you for sticking with Writer's Block despite my less-than-impressive run of new episodes in these past couple of months. The good news is that stretch is over, starting now. I just got back from L.A. where I did a bunch of great interviews with some amazing writers, and we are going to be back on track every two weeks, beginning with our next episode coming out March 1st with Chuck Tatham, writer for How I Met Your Mother, and he also worked on a number of other shows, including two seasons on Arrested Development. Finally, we finally got somebody from Arrested Development, and yes, we definitely talk about that show. Chuck is experienced, hilarious, interesting, and generous with his knowledge. Can't ask for more than that. Don't miss it. March 1st. It's a great episode. Speaking of which, let's return now to my chat with the legendary Bill Persky. All right, we're back. I'm J.R. Havlin. This is Writer's Block. I'm with Bill Persky. Say hi, Bill. Hello. There he is. There's your proof. Proof of life. You know what I'm happy about? What's When that? you said, say hi, Bill. Yeah. I'm glad that I didn't say hi, Bill. Yeah, well, that's a, you know a common I mean? gag. That shows, yeah, that shows that even at 82, I have restraint. <laughs> Yeah, well, or I forgot. Well, how to well do keep it. that in mind for keep that in mind for for the uh, for when we sign off. All right. Yeah, keep that in mind. Let's okay. see. Let's see how you play that. All right. I want to talk about uh, your life in television. Uh, it's long with some great great shows that you worked on. Did you you worked at your show of shows? No, the first show was the Steve Allen show. And he said, I'm going to get you guys out. Not again. The Tonight Show. No, no. This was a, a, a hour variety show okay. that he did for ABC. He did one for NBC that was a huge hit. Then he did one for, uh, for ABC that didn't turn out to be that great. But we were on it. And, <laughs> well, I, ha- I, have to, I, said, I have to tell you, I mean... Are you taking responsibility? L- no, literally, we went and gave up a job, and my wife was pregnant. We gave up a job where I was now earning $75 a week. Wow. And uh, we gave up our jobs for a three-week guarantee of $500 a piece to write the show. All right. So it was $1,000. Three-week guarantee. After that, if we were picked up, it was another three-week guarantee, and then another three-week guarantee, and another three-week guarantee. And weeks. if we made it through the first 13 shows, he would we would be picked up. This for, is not Steve the, Allen. Steve Allen. Oh, yeah. this is, oh this so is, his variety show was supposed to keep going a la yeah, like yeah, Kilburn. Yeah, kind of yeah. Okay. And uh, it was actually on that show, the Smothers Brothers got their first job. Wow. We met Tim Conway on that show. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it was a lot of great people on that show. Anyway, we got out there, and we're there in the first three weeks. Buck Henry was also one of the writers on that show oh, okay. who came out. He had, had never you just done met it. him when you started working on the show? Well, he was in New York, so we had seen him doing off-Broadway stuff. But we met him on the show. Right. And we were all there on this three-week deal. And uh, you said to yourself... Sooner or later, I'm going to have to just jump off the edge of the cliff and hope that there's a landing that isn't death, you know, because I'll never get this chance again. And I said, well, if we make it through three weeks, that's $1,500 a week. That's as much as I would make in uh, 
12 weeks of where my job was, right. so I'm, cu I'm even. Right. And I can always come back to New York. Or I didn't know what we'd do. We just knew we had to make it. Make it. And we were doing okay on the show, but on the third show, we wrote a joke that Steve Allen loved so much. One joke that changed my entire life. Classic. You're going to tell and me that got, joke. Yes, right and he got picked up. We got picked up for the whole season. This is very exciting. And then the show was canceled two weeks later, okay. and they had to pay us. Because of that joke. For 26 <laughs> weeks, one joke. And I don't know if it'll translate, but there was a show on then called Ben Casey, a medical mm -hmm. show. Yeah. And there was a guy by, the, there was an old doctor, Dr. Zorba, who was the old doctor on the show. With uh -huh. And it was Sam Jaffe, who played Gunga Din as a youth, but then went uh -huh. on to be just this crazy-haired guy with an accent. And he did character parts, and uh -huh. he played Dr. Zorba. And the opening of the show was, there was a blackboard. And Dr. Zorba was there, and on it were some chalk-drawn symbols. This is the common opening this every is day, the, every, This is the week. credit, yeah, the okay, opening right, credit. Right. And Dr. Zorba, with the hair, had a pointer and his white coat on, and these symbols, which were authentic symbols on the blackboard, and he said, this is the sign for man, this is woman, this is birth, this is death, and this is infinity. And then they'd go into the thing. Weird. So we did, yeah. So <laughs> we weird. did the opening, and a, a comic by the name of Joey Foreman, who was a great mimic at the time. Steve was going to play uh, uh, Ben Casey, right. and and Foreman was Doctor Zorba. And so the opening we did was cold open for this cold for open, show, okay. yeah, for the show. And this right. is the just, opening, just, and yeah. it was very popular, which sure, is why yeah, 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 so yeah. everybody knew it's just it. Just a parody, and, and everybody so knew we it. did. This is the sign for man. This is woman. This is birth. This is death. This is infinity. And this is a pussy cat. <laughs> and there was a chalk figure of a cat, and that was it. That joke. <laughs> he loved that so much. He for some just reason. Steve used to cackle. It's just nonsense. He cackled when he liked it. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, He just went off on. But it, it caught him and off the guard. The next day, yeah. Oh, yeah, well, sure. at the time, it was a great joke. Yeah, Trust sure. me, didn't have any dirty words in it, but it was funny. Yeah, but <laughs> and, and so the next day, we got a call that we were picked up for the season. That one joke. Oh boy, then Steve just said, "All right, just hire these yeah, guys. These guys are I great. Want I want that." that. You know, isn't that something? Jeez. So, so you worked there. My for whole, whole life year? would have been different. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so yeah. Everybody's got that story. That, That's something. After that, you know, we didn't get picked up that fast, and we picked up jobs doing uh, more stand up, and and we did some. Uh, Always working with Sam. Yeah. Oh yeah, we were partners for twenty one years, and uh, we would do industrials. Mm -hmm. We wrote the, uh, for ABC, we wrote the uh, rollout of the new season. Sure, yeah, okay. And, because uh, in those days, they'd have a, it wasn't the upfronts that they had. Right, but they, they would just were, have they corporate occasions. They would do it for the affiliates, for, yeah. you yeah, know, right, and right. they'd have this big show, and we would write it with all the stars, uh -huh. and it was really funny. Which led to the hardest joke I ever wrote. The hardest joke? What, 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 where what makes death a joke was hard? possible. Okay. Well, it, because it was for... Oh, where I'm death not, was possible? Yes, death, now I death, have physical to, death? Yes, or? now I have to... Who played the bad guy in Shane? Uh, uh, boy. Uh, Jack Palance. Jack Palance, of course. Okay. Yeah. So we're doing this thing, and Gene Kelly was in it, and, and, and 
all kinds of wonderful people, and we wrote all these funny things, musical stuff and everything. And Jack Palance was doing the greatest show on earth, you know, the circus movie, or uh -huh. they were doing a show on that. So he was, he had just arrived in Chicago, bone tired, but menacing. I mean, he was really the most menacing person I've ever met. He seems very intense. Oh, God. Like genuinely Believe intense. Me. Yeah. From uh, the... You hit a high note around him, he could shatter, you know? Interesting. And uh, so he was barely awake, and he goes to the read-through the day before we do the show, and we had a nice speech for him, right? And after the whole thing's over, the rehearsal, his ma manager comes up and says, uh, Jack wants a joke. We said, well, Jack... Doesn't Jack Palance doesn't do jokes. Jack Palance wants a joke. And he said, well, everyone has a joke, and he wants a joke. Yeah, that's like Idi Amin wants a joke. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> okay, right. Well, right. let me get to work Death on that. Death wants a joke yeah, when, he, right. when he comes around. So now we sat for six hours, literally, I swear to God. And he, was, what was the content? I mean, the, was there anything like he's going to be introducing a certain person? No, what it was, was just he, about the show. About the show. Yeah. There was no direction, just no he wanted direction. to jump. And he went and he had dinner and we're sitting there and we're writing jokes and he comes back and there isn't a smile on his face. No. And it, I got to be honest with you, I don't remember the joke that he oh, finally okay. right. went. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he said he, he loves was, that. He was over the top. They had to tell <laughs> he you. He loves that. Yeah. And you so, weren't sure if he was clearing so, his throat or having a stroke. God knows. Yeah. Getting ready to eat my head. I didn't know. <laughs> so... We said, okay, great. And we said, now here's a saver. And he says, well, what's a saver? And we said, well, in case the joke doesn't work, you'll say this. And he said, why isn't the joke going to work? And now we're backed up again. Well, the joke is going to work. Then why do I need the saver? Everybody has a saver, Mr. Palance. It's, it's, it's like Johnny just, Casanova it's all just, over. Yes, <laughs> everybody has to have a saver. And the saver was... If you want to see the greatest show on earth, wait till I catch up with the guys who told me that was funny. That's great. He said, so if the joke doesn't get a laugh, that'll get it. So now he comes out, he tells the joke, the place erupts. I mean, they're... But you don't because remember Because they the don't, they, I, I swear it's to God. too bad, okay, go on, and go on. the place erupts, it was inconsequential, whatever okay, but, it was. It was just that he told the joke. Yeah, just the fact that he told the joke at yeah, all. Yeah, he said, funny, two Jews got off of a... Yeah, right, of it. Whatever. So... <laughs> Finally, they stopped laughing. He was stunned. And see, first the audience was stunned that he told the joke. Thinking and they coming. figured they laughed. Yes, it is. He told the saver. <laughs> now, this is after the biggest <laughs> laugh in history. And he says, if you want to see the greatest show on earth, yep. wait, till you, wait till I find the guys who told me that was funny. And then nobody <laughs> knows. nobody knows what to do with that. Oh and, my God, and, so uh, funny. And that's the kind of stuff that you don't get an opportunity to experience today, really. You know, it's well, also you know, that's, that's, quick. It's just a great, it's a great funny moment. Oh of, God. God. Well, boy. another one was. I love it. Were you, in, were you watching the show? Yes, were you watching it? we were like, there in the audience. As, so the joke works and you're like, oh great, I'm great, glad yeah, we thought yeah, it was funny. Yeah. I'm glad Thank that God it worked. he's not going to kill us. We don't die. Were you thinking like, He's not going to do the No, other. never. You just, didn't it occur to you that he never, was going to When he started was doing no it, were you like, what is happening? Yeah. Oh, it was. I said, first the audience was <laughs> stunned great. that he told the joke. So funny. Then he was stunned that yeah. they laughed. 
then everyone was stunned. And since he doesn't understand humor, then, he went and told the other part because he didn't he, realize that it was he, for a specific situation. He was shocked. That people <laughs> then he walked off the stage and they couldn't find him for four days. <laughs> what the His hell? agent said, "What?" Well, he took off and just disappeared. I mean, because he was emotionally oh, worn out. He had just played a gladiator in a movie where he'd killed people as a regular habit every day. Yeah, sure. I guess and that would do it. he couldn't kill us, so he just is But it was... I mean, those are the kind... Another wow, thing... weird. We got fired. We did the Andy Williams show. That was a big breakthrough for us, too. That was the next... Show after Show that the, we uh, did. Okay. Yeah, I mean... Trump, we were scrambling to make a living. And these are all variety shows. Yeah. Which is well, not a bad thing for you to get involved in at variety. that point. That is a thing that was well, just constant variety, and everybody had Well, them. you could go into variety from writing stand-up, but you couldn't go into writing situation comedy. Right. You had to have other credentials And what are the big situation that? comedies at that time? The big situation... I mean, is it Lucy? I is Love it, Lucy yeah. and My Little Margie and... and uh, but they were all kind of silly or you sure, know yeah. there was nothing about real life you know well, it was not I mean, about Lucy I mean that was that was breakthrough-ish wasn't well, it at the time well Lucy was just brilliantly funny I mm -hmm. mean that was like big sketches in a way but the funny thing is Lucy because I've been involved in a lot of the women's shows you know uh -huh. and yeah I, I want to talk to you about that, that I girl, talk to you. yeah and which changed a generation of, yeah of and I want to get women. to that. I want to I actually I don't, don't mean to cut you off no, on that okay. particular story, but I do. I like the idea that you're working in these variety shows. That is right. like you're taking the progression. Because it's all you can do. Well, at but that but point. you're you you're, to earn you're, your way to the next level. But you're successfully taking the progression that the, like the very standard progression for comedy writers at your time. Yeah, you're 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 writing jokes for comedians. You're getting job on variety shows, and then from there, then maybe you can. Do you have your eyes on the sitcoms? Other, the other Is that thing, a thing that you yes, wanted to do? Yes. Okay. When we got on the Van Dyke show, it was Carl by himself, and as Carl says that we came along and saved his life. He, he was writing the show by himself. He had outside writers. Okay. That, you know, and you would send scripts to outside writers. Knowing that you were going to rewrite, rewrite the hell that show with the yeah. Van Dyke, so he yeah. created that yeah. show. Okay. What happened is he wrote it for himself. Well, let's 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 talk about your relationship with Carl Ryder. He was fearless. Carl, it was fearless in terms of what he would take on, and never backed down in the face of anybody. I mean, like the first show we did was about, you know, a flashback story on the Van Dyke show, baby. yeah, of where they thought they brought home the wrong baby. Oh. And the only way to resolve it, because they didn't, their people had DNA in those days, but they didn't know how to classify it. So how are you going to show at the end of the show that they definitely had the right baby? Mm -hmm. And the show was hilarious, and it's a landmark because the only way to show it was to have it of a child of a different ethnicity. Mm -hmm. So the minute the other couple showed up, you knew. So they were going to do it with an Asian couple or an Indian couple. But Carl decided it was in the middle of the civil rights movement, and he decided he wanted to do it with a black couple. And the network was panic-stricken. I've never had this many phone calls in my life. <laughs> Hello? Where was it? Uh, oh, we're talking so about the, the it, black couple. But, he but decided it was okay. going to be a black couple. <clears throat> right, but the, but did, did all this time 
They they had a black baby? No, no. Okay. No, they had their own baby. Uh-huh. But Dick, through a series of circumstances, was convinced that he had the wrong... And it was because of when I had my first child, they brought us the wrong flowers. And then my wife got the wrong dessert or something. Oh, and really? I said, how do we know we got the right baby? Yeah, right. You know, which was... You just accepted that yeah, you did. Yeah, right, right. But then when we were trying to think of a show to do, and it was the first one we ever did for Van Dyke, and Carl loved it and, and stuff, but how did you resolve The first one that it? you guys ever yeah, wrote? Okay. Yeah, it was in 1962. So that was your idea based yeah, on... Okay, yeah, great. Based on, most of the Van Dyke stuff was based on something that happened sure. to somebody. That's right. why so, that well, was the there's big... There's a lot of that still. I mean, it's a Yeah, but that thing. was the beginning. <clears throat> right. Where okay. people were taking... Oh, were you taking real-life stories? Yes, that, no, in yeah. other words. And they were the first married couple that were peers. Right. In okay. other words, yeah, he was as afraid to upset her as she was to upset him. Right. Previous to that, the husband never did wrong. Ruled he was never roost. concerned yeah. about anything. Mm -hmm. And the wife could only do something wrong and be, oh my God, what am I going to do? Ozzie you and know? Harriet. Yeah, Ozzie and Harriet. And, 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 you know, Lucy in a way, Lucy was the first feminist. Yeah, right. She wanted everything he had. Yeah, I've read stuff about she that. Just, that you're, you're, she yeah. just went about it in silly ways. Right. She wanted to be in show business. She wanted That's to what be the whole show was about, was her desire a, to be in show business. She wanted to be an equal yeah. to him and considered herself so that yeah. she wasn't satisfied. Well, we're talking about the character wife. of Lucy. Lucy, they, they, yeah. They, it was, yeah. It was well, built into it that she wanted yeah. to be in show business yeah. to, to be on... She always wanted to be yes, on the show. That's that why was, she was trying was, to sneak in there that all the time. Was, that, she wanted to be equal. Yeah. You know? And he didn't necessarily. And he didn't. Nobody, you know, no wife was right. more okay. than, you know, you know, people on shows, she'd come, the, when the husband came home, she would have a dress, an apron, mm -hmm. complete makeup, and be waiting for him with dinner. You know, I mean, was that your own experience? No, it was nobody's experience. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's just some made up thing. It How did like, they make that up? So and, Hollywood and, made and, that up. Yeah. I mean, that, well, that was the image that people yeah. wanted. Right. You know, that was the American family. And they, when he came home, they would all tell him the problem and his wisdom would solve it. Nobody well, else an, ever solved it. This is an interesting topic because you worked on the Dick Van Dyke show, which was a great show. Boy, was that a really good show. You eventually ran the Dick Van Dyke show. We produced the last okay. uh, half of the last season because Carl season. left to do The Russians Are Coming. Okay. The movie. And um, But we wrote 45 episodes and yeah. we were the story editors on the last three seasons. And, and back then we were doing 39 shows a year. Yeah. I mean, that's two seasons now. Right. Yeah, you right, know, right. What do yeah. you get? 20, 22, 22 yeah. something like that. Right. Wow. 39 shows a year. You got 13 weeks off, supposedly. So much work for the actors and the crew, too. I mean, oh, that's crazy. It's it exhausting. Yeah, it was really... Because, you know, the process was it would take you about three weeks to get a script. Yeah. In other words, whether you were writing it or whether you signed it to somebody On a typewriter on top of that. Yes, on <laughs> Let's all going remember. Going to Mimeo. Let's think of one thing. Yeah, we're going and, to Mimeo. And, hey, come on. Uh, get in the get in the van, kids. We're going, going to Mimeo. Mimeo. <laughs> and uh, do you need a passport for that? No. Yeah. So it took you about three weeks to mm -hmm. get a show in working order. Yeah, and then geez. you would always read it the week before. You produce, you know, that you shot it, and With then the you rewrite. Yeah, you'd read it around the table sure. for next week. Then you would get notes, and you would do a rewrite, and then you notes from who are you getting notes from at that? From 
within still network ourselves and, stuff? and network. Yeah, they but the net, they were not as intrusive. Sponsors were, if anything, because there was one sponsor uh, per show. Yeah, there right. weren't the multiple oh, yeah. sponsors. Right. It's like brought so to you by Colgate or something. Procter and Gamble did yeah. the Van Dyke show, and Dick and Mary. After we would shoot, they would do a commercial for Procter and Gamble. So oh, wow. you okay. would hear from them, and uh, so you'd rewrite. And I'm sure that process still goes on. A week in advance, you get it and you fix it. And then you'd read the script for this week that you were going to start rehearsing. And then there'd be a lot of rewriting around the table about that. Now, when we did the Van Dyke show, it was Carl and Sam and me. And the writer, if we had a script from an outside writer, they wouldn't be there for that. It was now ours to do. So you would farm them out, but then... So you'd you'd, you'd get a script, but then... Just so that you could have... A bunch of stuff in the works. Well, yeah, sure. You know, because what I'm saying, take you three weeks minimum. Would you farm ideas that you guys, you guys very would come largely, up, you guys would brainstorm would, a bunch of ideas? People would come in with okay. an idea, okay. and if it didn't work, we'd give them one that we right. had. Okay. And so it took you, say, three weeks to get one, and they disappeared in a week. Mm-hmm. So there was no way to catch up. I mean, when there was a, 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 a you know... You were a doing pre- reruns and making was more money pre- off of them. And stuff. No, no. Yeah, right. You didn't rerun anything right. until the summer. Yeah. And then if you got a preemption for a sporting event or, or a political thing, you were thrilled. It means you didn't Don't have to eat do a up show a that script week. that yeah, week. Right. You know? Wow. So then after the Dick Van Dyke show... You created that girl, you and yes, Sam. Yes. You created and the Marlo. show from scratch. Marlo was, okay. was the instigation. Behind. So, um, yeah, let's let's spend the rest of the time talking about that because I, I had. Uh, I'm interested. In you talk about you travel and you talk right. about women's issues and, right. and you know you're talking about Lucy and uh, um, and the relationship between uh, Dick Van Dyke and the you know the the husband wife relationship right. in that show. Then you go off and you create the show. Now, in my notes, as I was thinking about that, I was wondering, like, at that time, of course, you know, there's a lot of issues now with women in comedy and women in comedy writing. It was unheard of. It was unheard of that women would be comedy writers. Comedy that a woman would, that a show would be about a single girl. On her own. Oh, not, sure, right. But Lucy kind of Lucy became, was like a star of her show. I yes. Mean, you know, oh, yeah. Well, there had been stars, yeah. but never a young woman alone, alone in the city, not living with her family, with not, a, with a boyfriend though, not, yeah, not living with. Yes, him. yes. Not not uh, not working in a hospital or in a girls' school uh-huh. or I mean, in other words. There was always the protective male, uh-huh. whether it was the head doctor or and whatever. the boyfriend was a little bit of that, but you know. Well, but. yeah, I mean, but the fact is, when Marlo had done a pilot for ABC, and uh, uh, it was a, three stewardesses, I mean, which is just typical of what was around them, and the show didn't sell, but the the uh, testing. Mm-hmm. on her was terrific for her specific for her so now they want to build a show around her they wanted to do a show around her and there was a sponsor uh squib or one of the the uh, pharmaceutical companies uh-huh. i can't remember the name of anyway they said they would sponsor it so abc was thrilled they had a sponsor they had someone who looked good and now they wanted to do a show so they gave marlo a bunch of scripts that they had and they were all about the same thing. Stewardesses, teachers, nurses, and everything. 
And Marlo had already, I mean, she's a very dynamic person and never satisfied with the status quo. So she came back and said, I want to do a show about a young woman on her own with aspirations to have a career. She's telling this to the suits. To, to the suits. And at that time, a young woman like that had to only have one thing in mind, to get married. And we did five seasons, and uh, the, the relationship with the her boyfriend, boyfriend... was there from the very beginning? From the very beginning, and... Uh, it was hard to keep it going because what are you going to do about sex and all, all mm-hmm. of that, which we never Don't got involved. Yeah. You, you just didn't no get involved. It, right? we, we, we did a thing where they had to stay in the same hotel because of a snowstorm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Separate the, single beds. Kind yeah, of. <laughs> the, thing, the thing about it is that back before language was able to be whatever you wanted to say, like it is now, I mean, you take shows like Two broke girls, and if you couldn't use the word vagina, the sh- you'd have no script. I mean, every other word somebody's saying vagina, you know. Well, in, on those days, no one had I, I a vagina. I'm not even sure they limited to vagina. But, Nobody yeah. had a vagina, you know. Uh, so, what made the show? Isn't it nice though that that the uh, that that girl, and I'm sure that this was your your intention from the very beginning, opened the door for shows such as Two Broke Girls. Well. What's what's kind of interesting here's a here's a perfect example of what happened with women in television. Right. Okay, Marlo opened the door for Mary, Mary Tyler Moore, mm-hmm. and and then and you forget that girl was before Mary. Tyler oh yeah, Moore or something Ma- like that. the yeah. only way right. you know Mary says without Marlo, I'd have not had a chance wow. because she took it the next step. She didn't have a boyfriend. She went out with a lot of guys and, you know, and her family wasn't living nearby or anything like that. So that was the next step. And then after that, I did Kate and Allie, which was about two divorced women. You weren't allowed to even do divorce. It just about that time, uh, one day at a time came. But that was, woman, Mary couldn't be divorced. It was always kind of vague. I think her boyfriend died or she broke up with him, but she wasn't married and, right, and right, whatever. Right. And uh, the sex thing was very hard yeah. on, on, because they were going and they got a little further down the line. But I describe it, as I said, when I give talks or when I teach about the progression of what happened, you're is, talking about that girl. That, yeah. About women in yeah, particular. Right, okay. There was a show where Marlo had a problem where her sink backed up. So she called her father. On the Mary Tyler Moore show, she had a problem with the, the, the bathroom or a shower or somebody was coming and the bathroom wasn't working. She was panicked. She called the plumber. Kate and Allie, they had a problem. This was in the 80s now. They had a problem with the washing machine. They tried to fix it themselves. They flooded the apartment. They called the plumber and Kate had an affair with him for eight episodes. <laughs> so just in that one specific of a plumbing problem, there was a progression of how, of women, of were, where how women were allowed to be. How far they were able to yeah. go with that. And it was the same thing with drugs. I mean, there was always... The story on, on, on Leave it to Beaver where they found the cigarette. And by the time you got to... Uh, to uh, The Brady Bunch or something. No, to Cosby, they found 
a weed. A, a weed. And then after that, they found the condom. So the props that you could write about in I like shows, that. Too. I like that sex comes after drugs. Yes, yes. Well, doesn't it always? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, and, and my, I, I got to admit, I hate the show Girls. Yeah, okay. I hate it. I think she's brilliant. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it bothers me. How Not, do you think she's brilliant? And yet, I think she's like a show. brilliant writer. Uh-huh. But I, I, I hate the show because not everything has to elevate your, you know, or become aspirational. Uh-huh. But, and you know, people. I've seen young women who say, "Well, that's the way it is for girls now." And I said, "I know a lot of girls. It's not like that for them." And I said, "I don't like it because it." endorses the fact that they wallow in their low self-esteem and they have no aspirations and you know it's just it's ugly to me and mm-hmm. someone said well okay i was in an, being interviewed and they said okay if you were doing girls what is the first thing you would do and i said the laundry i said those sheets no one ever does laundry on that show I mean, okay. it's filthy. It's a possible storyline. It's, I mean, no, but I mean, it's just, there's, if you ever watch that show, there's these ruffled beds and people are in them and it, it's nobody ever makes the bed or does any, and it's supposedly all okay to be that way. And I, don't I think, think you're just so. a clean freak. I don't I know, think you care about the storyline at all. I don't think so. I just <laughs> want people to, to care about their own dignity well, a little but, bit. But I think that, you know, Part of what makes that show different and part of the sales of that show right. is the idea that like, okay, this, you're going to get, whether you like it or not, a more kind of supposedly realistic view of an actual person's life. Right. This is not a cleaned up Hollywood thing. Yeah. This is grit. This is a, no, like, there, like, there, like, look, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of people at, at a certain age living in New York City, struggling around to get a job. Can, are not going to be think sitting there thinking why aren't they doing their laundry because they're going to be thinking like oh finally I'm watching a show where somebody's not doing their laundry because uh-huh. I can't even afford no, to do I, my laundry I that can kind understand. of thing I can understand so it's just like it's, that's like I don't but I the difference is I don't think it should be okay with the people on the show oh, right, they right, should right, realize right. that they that they, they kind of live in that it that they're they, doing you know what yeah. we got to get out of it look what we're doing it, here yeah, you right. know you know what here's what I we're going to do I don't know that's entirely true though i mean like uh, what i do like is that you've seen the show and watch it and and, and form your opinion from yes, yes. from your experience in watching the show and i was going to ask you what shows uh, that you that you like that modern you watch family. You know, modern family is a very good show modern family gives dignity to everybody on the show they don't all do great things and they're not, you know, exemplary people and all that, but there's a dignity in what they do. Well, there's a depth to the characters. Yeah, that, and, know, and, yeah. and, you know, it isn't that the gay couple there is there to be gay. Yeah. You right. know, where there were shows where, well, we ought to have a gay thing. It's, they're, they're, they, yeah, they're, and I think a lot of shows are also getting past that. There was definitely, there was definitely a, a stretch where it's like, well, who's the gay character? Yeah, if you're, yeah, if you're, so yeah. that, so that, so that at the beginning, gay characters were just sort of stereotypical gay characters. Yeah, uh, whereas yeah. now, not that those two don't do stereotypical no. things in order for laughs or whatever. Exactly. But, but when it comes down to you know their relationship and them as people, right, yeah, they, they exactly. form them you know, exactly. obviously as as right. uh, as complete people. 
and that's just a natural progression of of art. No, I've and had life. I've had violent attacks against me when I've said that I, I that really, you didn't like girls. Yeah, yeah. It just I've always been a supporter of women, and because I've had three, Your I've work had three daughters. I've got two, yeah. you know, two granddaughters. Did I you, have, here, here's what I, here's what I want to ask you real quick before we go. But we're going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're going to go have lunch. Your staff. For you had a writing staff for that girl. Yeah, well, that was a one-camera show. That was shot like uh-huh. film, right? So you know, it didn't have the same process as right. the multi-camera shows, right. like the Van Dyke show and Kate and Alley and Mary and all of those. And so there, there was always a a producer who was a writer, and there'd be like two staff writers. We never had uh, the volume of. Were any of those today. women though? Yes, one. A writer, producer? On that girl? Yeah. She was the head writer. The head writer was, yeah. a, was a female. Yeah. Yeah. And did you go out in search of that person in order to... Um, no, if she the, was a good writer and well, of course. A, a woman's voice would but be you, important. But you knew that you needed yes, to find that and, that and that that was an necessary thing. Was that... Was that, that was, a thing that was uncommon? Were people like, why are you having a... I mean, you no, know, it's, it's, that's it, pretty it, late in the game. There weren't really women writers on most shows. Right. I mean, Lucy had a uh, writer, woman writer, Madeline Pugh. But you saw the benefit in the point of view that well, you simply no, couldn't absolutely. bring. Absolutely. And you also, Marla wouldn't have been comfortable with it or allowed it. You know, if she's talking about... Allowed it, not it, having it, one. It, it, yeah, and, yeah. She, and, you know, Marla is a very strong character, a, a person in her beliefs. And she said, if we're going to be doing this, we better be living what we're talking about. So we had a very prominent woman writer and on on Kate and Allie I had a a comedy team Ann Flett and Chuck Randberg so we had a woman's voice there and actually Bob Randall who who was the head writer on Kate and Allie he was gay and one of the great writers ever did that add an element to the show do you think well I didn't there wasn't a gay character because he was gay right yeah of course because he's such a great writer but it did I mean we did a show that again was like a breakthrough show where, uh, and he won a Peabody Award for this script. Huh, wow. The landlady from the apartment they rented came to them and said, you've hired, you rented this as a one family thing and there are two families here, so I've got to change your rent or you're going to have to move and stuff. She said, because according to law, the only way that you can have multiple families or uh, you you can have more than one person is a marriage or a gay couple because that had already been established in the housing laws in New York City. Mm -hmm. So at any rate, the the landlady and they tell her they're gay and one of the more delightful scenes. And then she says, just a minute, and she calls her partner down. She's gay. Ah. Now they have to continue... Ah, yeah, right. Like they're gay and this okay. sweet couple is there and the kids love them and everything and they get invited to a gay dance at the end. And they don't know how they're going to... And they're practicing dancing with each other just to keep the apartment. And uh, the landlady hears them talking when she comes in. The kids let her in and they didn't know she was there. And they were saying, I can't keep up this thing. And I mean, they come downstairs... And she's furious. And the they, landlady? Landlady. Okay. She's, and then they, Bob wrote a speech about who's to say what a family is today. 
It's people who care about one another and need one another and share life with one another. And you, it was just incredible. Like a modern day campaign speech. It, it, yeah, then. it was yeah. just very short, not over, but God, it made the point and it was, it was beautiful. And Bob wrote it because of his own feelings. Right, right, know? right. Something you may not have been able to express. I, I, in yeah, the same way. absolutely. Yeah. You know, but it, it just, if you have all those dimensions, just like in your life, if you have different kinds of friends and everything, your life takes on that, that roundness. And so a staff adds those right. things too. Uh, great to talk to you, you Bill. Um, this was a, a pleasure. Uh, we, we got it done on time here. You know, we can yep. get on to our, our, the rest of our day. Yes. Uh, I thank you for uh, being a, a fine guest on the writer's block. And I thank you for asking me. Yeah, well, you're very Enjoyed welcome. It. A pleasure to meet you. Say goodnight, Bill. Good night. I'm not going to say goodnight, Bill. <laughs> you just did. No, I said I'm not.